0: and we got another full house for you in the You Better Than Me podcast. We are joined by our guests from last week, so I hope y'all tuned in because they brought all the tea, all the real talk, all the reality about all things Black reproductive health. We are joined by our, look, he's about to be our resident doctor, the resident OBGYN, Dr. Richard Jones. We have our bad business lady, Miss Mrs. Dion Cunningham and all. and we have our chef with the best, Miss Erica Dillwer from the building with us. How are y'all doing? Oh, how's Danny? Doing lovely. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I feel like we talked about know, well. much, right? Okay, Christy, you good it too, huh? I feel like we talked about <laughs> so much on this last episode with y'all that I don't even want to waste no time. I just want to get into it because I feel like it's still so much we have to explore and Hopefully, the people are all caught up so they'll know where we left off. Even though I don't even think you might not even need to know where we left off because this is like one of those conversations that's on. And like, it's so many things we can talk about. And I really just want to give our guests the opportunity to just get back in it. Last time we were talking about the birth stories, we done went through y'all's experiences with your doctors. And now these bad boys are here. The babies are here. We want to know what's good like how are y'all feeling like just the nitty-gritty and whoever wants to start erica dion just 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 put it all on the floor for us rip the plastic off and let us know how y'all were feeling. (laughs) like it's
1: it's day one the baby
0: is here and 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 we're just there
1: well erica do you want to start first because i started last first last time
2: i can that's fine because it was definitely feeling brand new for me um i think i told you guys like i'm sick (laughs) Sepsis was my firstborn, but when it came to the everybody's okay health-wise now, we can kind of calm down and, you know, extinguish the fire. Apparently the fire was still within me, but I wasn't aware of it. I think I touched on it before. Like um, I was not, um, I was not um, well-versed with postpartum outside of the pendulum swinging extremes that they would you know that they would tell you or even the you know there's a sheet that they make you fill out beyond did they have you do that at the pediatrician's office like how are you feeling today yes every time
1: that you check in with your newborn or infant they have you fill out the sheet for months asking well how do you feel today because they're you know worried about you and you possibly harming the child
2: but it was weird because none of those none of those stuck for me. So everything I was checking was, no, I don't feel mm-hmm. horribly sad. It was just so extreme for me on the questionnaire. Um, I felt like it should have, instead of asking, you know, have I had any thoughts today or do I feel completely sad and sullen and everything else is, you know, um, how are you sleeping? Um, how mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize that I had postpartum because I wasn't having feelings of, I don't want to be near my baby. It was, I can't let go of my baby because of the trauma that we endured from childbirth. Mm-hmm. And that was never fully explained to me. I don't, I don't think I realized that I had postpartum until probably a few years ago. And it, the way that it would show itself was how I was with my second born. Mm-hmm. And just how attentive I was, and I realized, like, hey, like she's fine, you're okay, you're, you guys are safe, she's all right. And I'm like, man, I went through my whole, you know, first half with my oldest, with Jesse, in full trauma mode the entire time, just completely hyper vigilant the first three years of her life, just terrified, like what could happen, what's gonna happen here? Let me make sure, and just being so proactive to where I'm not even. Healthy in that aspect of allowing her to be like I like forget helicopter mom. I probably had a private jet and
1: mm-hmm. some
2: drones and just all kind of things, just making sure that everything was okay. And I just wish I had more knowledge on that part.
0: So, Erica, do you feel like you you were maybe because you know I see that commercial where the lady is like, oh, first baby, and then she's doing all this stuff, and then it's like second baby, and she just got the baby sitting in the sink or something. Do you? Feel- <laughs> No, you, no, no, no. <laughs> wasn't that much of an extreme
2: or <laughs> that notion? Because um, again, I think I touched on the fact that you know, Ava, my youngest, is neurodivergent. She's, she has autism. So certain things I would notice with her. Um, it act. It was a blessing. It was a blessing in disguise um, in terms of caring for my second born because I was so hyper with my first born from the trauma from childbirth that I picked up on her traits that I noticed were not what I noticed with Jesse um, earlier than they say. You may, you may not, especially they say with girls, it's very hard to tell. So it was great that I paid so much attention to her and it wasn't like, Oh, second baby, like Kobe, go play in the back and whatever happens, you know? No, never like that. But um, I just allowed her to learn things on her own in the sense of, like I was so hands on with my oldest, like, here, let me help you with this. Like talk about kid gloves. Like I'm handling you like you're in a bubble. Cause I yeah. was just like, you know, we, we almost, well, I was almost out of here and she was too. So it was just like, I'm like, no, 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 no. And then she was a rainbow baby on top of that since mm-hmm. I missed Carrie prior to her. So it was just, I'm really just holding on for dear life. But like I said, it was a blessing when Ava came because I was able to pay attention to what she needed and what kind of support she needed. And I just think that that helped. But in terms of for my mental health, I felt like I needed more support in terms of knowing what to do or how to deal or how to cope when you're post, when your postpartum isn't, I just want everything to be quiet and go away. Cause that wasn't okay. it. For me. Uh, I mean. That
3: question
2: that questionnaire you guys did, is
4: called the, um, uh, Edinburgh depression scale. Mm-hmm. It's not really culturally relevant. It's kind of generic, mm-hmm. but it's supposed to, we add it up and it gives us a certain score. Um, and if you get a certain score, then the doctor or the whoever you're seeing is supposed to intervene. So it's not really all that good of a depression um, scale, but it's just for us to check. It's really not all that talking to
0: mm.
4: based on white women, so.
0: so Richard, mm-hmm. can you, since you, can, since you uh, kind of gave us the real terminology behind it, can you give us like a definition of postpartum for people who may not know exactly what that is? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, postpartum itself is actually
4: the state after pregnancy. Um, we have postpartum depression, which is major depressive order within the first six weeks. Um, and this is when you're feeling down, you can eat, you can sleep, um, which is different than postpartum blues, uh, which a lot of women have. Postpartum depression is when we really get concerned with, and would think that you may need treatment, either counseling medication. we also have what we call postpartum psychosis, uh, which is the extreme, and this is when we have women that we either harm themselves or their baby. So those are the kind of the three scales. Postpartum depression is usually supposed to end within the first six weeks, um, and then after that we consider it major uh, depression, although some people think that definition should change because the postpartum period, if one of us when a baby six weeks old, that's usually the first year of life. But that's mm-hmm. those are the three definitions postpartum blues, which is just kind of feeling overwhelmed. And postpartum depression, which is actually, I mean, the psychiatric diagnosis, where really we would consider treatment or therapy for you. And then postpartum psychosis, where we be concerned about um, harm to you or the baby. Mm.
0: So, so, I don't know that. That's. Oof. So, and so we have this
4: uh we have this screening tool and most of the time when you give birth you get sent home and you see a doctor six weeks later. Now we're trying to see people within a week of giving birth because that six week period of time, particularly when you're giving birth at an older age, lots of people have blood pressure problems, you can still have you know, a depression problems. So now we're particularly the border of touching up how hoping that she start to see patients with, with um, more visits within that first six week period. Like you should typically see the doctor within a week after giving birth. Or if you have had complications, the child to see them sooner. So we're trying to pick this up earlier because a lot of times um women are overwhelmed yeah you know, often ashamed to talk about it. You know, you give birth, you're supposed to be strong and here you are being overwhelmed with getting birth and your is looking at you like a lot of woman stuff. Uh exactly You know black people in this house. We think, oh, it's a TV. you need to pray away, and people don't really want to discuss it or talk about it. It's really a huge issue. Wow, mm-hmm.
0: wow. So, Dion, mm-hmm. I know on the previous episode you kind of touched on this a little bit, um, and you kind of shared something that I I didn't know. Um, and Erica, you kind of talked about this too. Can you talk about how you were feeling during that time, that first six weeks? And then I kind of want both of y'all to speak on, like, the village aspect of it. Like, who told you how to mother? Who told you what you were supposed to be doing? Did you feel like you had, like, adequate knowledge? Or, you know, people be like, ah, oh, this comes natural. Like, what were both of you guys' stands on that Um Cause I don't, I don't, that's the point that gets me. Like, I don't know, like people say that you're supposed to just know, but that's like
1: bringing in a whole new life. Like, how do you know? I, you know, and I I don't think you know until you, I mean, you still learn every day with your child how to be a parent, how to be a mother, how to be a father. Um, it's 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 not something that is written in a book. I mean, because trust me, I tried to read as much as I could before, um, my little one came on, you know, came on to Earth, and um, I thought I was. When we go back to postpartum, you know, I I talked uh, before about going through therapy before I made the decision to have my child. Before I even made the decision to to, to get married, I went through extensive therapy, and part of that was, you know, depression and post post traumatic um, stress disorder, anxiety, dealing with you know, issues from my past and and things I've experienced um, when I was growing up. And um, so I I wanted to be very vigilant about looking out for signs of postpartum depression because I've had friends of mine um, that that went through it. And some of them went through a very, you know, strong case of mommy blues. Um, I can say that I went through some variation of it, but not in the way that you would think, like I'm, you know, because I know what the signs are for depression, because I've yeah. been through that. Um, and you never really get through it. You just kind of figure out other ways to to, to deal with depression, to live with it, um, which is where yoga and meditation help for me. But it's kind of hard to do that when you have a, a newborn. And... um for me it wasn't about blues it was more so I I had mommy rage Mm. I had and and exactly so they don't really talk about that but it was a it was a mommy rage and plus I was still traumatized by almost dying (laughs) giving birth to my son and him almost um passing away and my husband was traumatized and you know we we were just like oh we just you know we just we're thankful to be home.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mind you, this is also during COVID. So you know, we were very, uh, as Her- Erica was talking about, hyper vigilant. We were hyper vigilant about having anybody come into our house. You know, we had yeah. the COVID test. Mm-hmm. You had to, you know, wash your hands. You had to wear a mask if you're around my child. Very, very vigilant um, and not wanting to get sick. We didn't want any of us to get sick. Um, and if anybody deviated from that, I had a rage. Um, I'm fortunate that, you know, I had a C-section, and I'm fortunate that my son was able to have skin-to-skin contact with me because that yeah. was something that was really important to me. I wanted to be able to breastfeed. My mom didn't breastfeed me. Um, I wanted that experience with my with my my child, and um, started out breastfeeding fine, but the when we were at the hospital, when I came home. I was having issues breastfeeding, like he on one breast was was doing great, the other breast wasn't. Um, And then he was like, oh, I know this breast is doing great. So my son was like, I'm going to just stick with this one breast and this other breast be damned. Mm -hmm. So um, Mm -hmm. I started feeling um, very overwhelmed because I was like, okay, why isn't my body producing enough? I I felt like my body wasn't producing enough milk. my son started losing weight. And they all lose weight. That's something that they tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to, if you go to, cl- um, to classes, um, which I highly recommend if you're able to do so, that's something that they kind of warn you about in your birthing class, um, that you know the first week or so after your child is born, that your child is going to lose weight. When well, my son lost below a certain line, and it was because I, I was really just focused on breastfeeding him and i was getting very low about not being able to produce enough milk for him i'm like am i not eating enough am i not resting enough i was exhausted my sister um she moved from atlanta the day um that my son was born um and she is the one that stayed with us for the first six months, was seven months of his life and helped us take care of our child. And we had some, I mean, she was, you know, the third person that was waking up in the middle of the night and, you know, kind of essentially acting as our night nurse slash auntie slash big sister, helping us take care of our our son. Um, Mm -hmm. That was our village. Our mothers, um, I'm not going to bash on baby boomers, but, like child <laughs> I already know that's a whole that's uh, a whole nothert that's a whole another podcast <laughs> um but we tried to keep our moms to you know we 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 didn't we we felt that they were um you know how you say, you know, you were asking the question of well, how do you know? Well, you have your mothers that try and give you advice along the way, like okay, sterilize the bottles, you know, yeah. do this, do that. But you didn't want your but baby what if, no pig feed, right? My- um, put what? What do you put a penny or put a, a nickel on on belly the on,
0: on the belly, belly button, button, button so you don't have an
1: outie? That kind of stuff. We really wanted mm-hmm. to experience parenthood without some of the, you know, noise in our ear while we were trying in those first, you know, weeks, first month or, you know, two months of um, our son's life. So, you know, we really tried to keep them at bay. You know, we had times where they could come and visit, but they weren't at our house all the time 24-7 yeah. uh, because we wanted to learn on our own. We wanted to learn our child. Like, mm-hmm. this is our child. He came from us. How are we going right. to know him best if we are allowing other people to, to just care for him? We have to know, you know, his cries and what he's trying to, you know, tell us the first few weeks of his life. Yeah. Um. So it was a very small village and most of it I may mean, try, yeah, villa, but village, but most of it was because of, you know, COVID, yeah. I would say. Um, you have to
0: be very cautious.
1: Very cautious. And in the end. Um, we all st- still ended up catching you because my sister went out of the house mm. and brought COVID back in, and so that's a whole nother story,
0: yeah. But at but, least um, it, it, y'all, the baby had you, and you, the baby, when mm-hmm. I say the baby and support, your big sister came and healed it down for you, so that was dope of her. Um, I know a lot of people who aren't that fortunate, no. Or, or don't have that shoot erica's our only child technically like what what do you feel like when it's like you don't have the family because you erica was in another city her mom lived in another state and no siblings there and kind of just i want to i don't want to say locked away but you were kind of alienated from a lot of people I mean
2: I was I mean it sounds bad but I mean it's true I mean my village was nowhere in sight I had to create one from where I was and that was a blessing because their dad's family has so many amazing women (laughs) on their on their on their in their lineage that it was that's where my village came from um I don't know why it happened this way but While I was pregnant, so were their cousins. So we were literally leaning on each other in terms of like, oh, you ever feel this way? Like in terms of something, seeking something relatable during the entire journey, you know, Um, and just asking. Because like Dion said, there's no blueprint to babies and motherhood or parenting period. And each child is different and you're just grabbing for straws <laughs> and hoping that you're doing the right thing and just, uh, for me, it's a lot of reflecting back on what I know I needed as a child
1: Exactly, mm-hmm. and
2: leaning on that. And even with you touching on uh, PTSD, I was diagnosed in high school with complex PTSD because my, my childhood, was it was a mess. Um, so I just knew what I knew I needed as a child. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I lean on now. Like, what did I need to hear? What? i need to see or what did i need mirrored and mimicked for me to grasp you know how to be a a great human essentially but i mean with the complex ptsd when dion when you said you knew what depression looked like i knew what cps cptsd looked like in me because i'm pretty rbf resting bitch face numb face until i open up to people Mm -hmm. and i (laughs) I didn't want to do that to my babies you know what I'm saying like a lot of times I feel like I'm having more conversations in my head than actually vocalizing and I had to be very conscious of that especially with Jessie with my firstborn because I was like okay um she's crying and I want to help her and I don't know what to do and I'm thinking in my head so I just started saying everything (laughs) that I'm thinking throughout the process and I'm like talking to you know my baby that can't say words yet but I'm just like you know this is helping (laughs) in some way shape or form just so that I know that I'm actually completely present especially after all that we went through Um, so it was it was it was interesting and then with Ava I mean she I moved when she was two because I didn't want to go through that again in that aspect and then especially since my oldest was getting you know older in terms of it's almost time for kindergarten I need to drop anchor somewhere for you because I want to make sure that you know you're you're I don't want to move you around I grew up in a military family and I did get to stay on one base for the majority of the time, but I just wanted them to have some roots, some actual roots. So Yeah.
0: Okay. So I have a burning question that I want to ask both of you all, but I'm going to wait until we get a chance to pay the church's money. So we're going to take a short break and then when we come back, I'm going to ask my burning question and let y'all get back into the conversation.
4: Are you ready to take your streaming broadcast, website, or social media visuals up a notch? Pyromedia Productions is here with the perfect solution. From dynamics, design, and professional headshot shoots to family photo ops, they've got all you need for stunning content creation. Check out pyromediaproductions.com today and add that creative flair. Pyromedia Productions, setting brands ablaze since 2017. Okay,
0: so... I know that you both had two different birth stories, and I kind of want to know because I, y'all know me. I want to know the pain that was associated with it. Erica, you had a vaginal birth. Did it snap back? Did it hurt? Like, what was the pain? Like, <laughs> and then, then I do, I do want to know because I feel like I'm probably going to have to have a C-section from that fibroid surgery that I had. So I'm trying to mentally prepare myself for that. I wanna know the pain and how that healing was. Those were my two random burning questions that popped up while I was listening to y'all talk. So if y'all could do me that and then we'll get back into to the nitty-gritty.
2: Um
0: <laughs> definitely snap definitely
2: snap back. Um <laughs> I will say that I had a whole phobia afterward because I'm like, does it snap back? Does it really? Um I actually had <laughs> the reason why I had the fear was because the nurse in my OBGYN's office would constantly tell me her horror stories prior to me even having my baby. So every time I would go in for my appointments, she would tell me how, it, oh, my God, whatever you do, don't use a mirror. Don't look at it. Don't do this.
0: Don't. Oh think, you told me that. And that's why that's why that question came to be, because you actually said that to me. And I was like, oh, God. You have to get us. Uh
2: you or anything? Did you tear or have any last words? I, I did not. I, didn't, I did not tear with either one of them. Um, okay. No tearing whatsoever. Um, I was fully dilated. Now, when it comes to how long I was in labor, Dr. Jones, I honestly don't know, because maybe you can break this down for me. To this day, I don't know. And they say, how long have you been in labor? And I hear people say, I've been in labor for two days. And I'm like, how did you know that? Because my pain tolerance was very high. So with that being said, I didn't go to the doctor, I didn't go until my water broke. And then on the, with my second, I didn't know that I was in labor.
4: Yeah, but oftentimes uh, having to get stitches is also a big part of the recovery from vaginal delivery that people don't know about the pain and then the healing. Um, is your sexual function gonna come back? Uh, but labor-wise, um, the first, till you get to six centimeters, sometimes that can be days. Um,
0: okay. They are
4: Yeah, until you get to active labor. Uh, but usually, with your oh. first, you all can hear me. Yeah,
0: uh, we can hear you.
4: uh, With yeah. your first, with your first baby, once you actually get into active labor, whether you start at, if you start at one centimeter, it can be up to twenty-four hours until you get to six. And then beyond mm-hmm. that point is when you're supposed to go, that centimeter per hour. Mm-hmm. So okay. We'll tell you. I've been in labor for seventy-two hours. That's often true.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was, they were stripping my membranes at every appointment um, mm-hmm. in the latter weeks, or the, really the second to the last week prior to giving birth to my oldest, and they would check me, and they say, oh, you're dilated one, you're dilated two, you're dilated three, and then I'm like, oh, I feel like this is it, and I went to the hospital, and they're like, and it was a different doctor. My doctor was a woman. Now, the, the doctor that checked me the night that I thought was the day to have her, it was a guy, a very tall guy very large man, and he told me, oh, you've only dilated four centimeters. The other one told me six. And I said, well, what's the difference? And he said, my hand. And I said, what?
4: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, those I don't like sometimes that sometimes, uh, subjective, <laughs> yeah, And it does depend on people's hands. Uh, mm-hmm. So people don't know you have an outer cervix and you have an inner cervix. So sometimes your outer cervix can be dilated, but your inner cervix May not be dilated at all, so you may not be in labor. So, just wait, who is two? On. Yeah, your cervix is like a long tunnel, right? And so it dilates to get to ten, and then it thins out. Uh, and so, depending on whoever checking you, their experience—if they can't get their fingers all in and check you—they may feel your outer cervix um, and think, "Oh, she's four centimeters," and we actually may not be.
0: See, and that's why I'm flying up there whenever I have a baby. Mm-mm. <laughs> No, I'm not doing that. Yeah, either. this is a lot, very yeah. eye opening. What? But <laughs> yes.
2: well, see, people going not be telling you. Very eye opening. And then <laughs> I'm right. not to not to scare you, scary, but like I'm saying, like I didn't know that you know sometimes the epidural doesn't work the first time.
1: Child. And mine, that's... mine was wonderful. It worked. Yeah, all am not ready. To scare
0: me straight, so. Chris, know what I'm talking about. It. I'm gonna cancel these uh, the yeah. appointments now. <laughs> Not okay. gonna
2: do that. Okay, so so, really, yeah. for me, it wasn't the process of pregnancy, it was more so the lack of care. My first, like I told you, my first one that's really yeah. what it was. All of the things that were happening wasn't because of the actual pregnancy or the mm-hmm. journey of it. Um, and like I said, even when the epidural didn't kick in, when they finally gave it to me, you know, I was numb. My legs from the, you know. So when it was time for me to get up after I had her and they were transferring me, the nurse dropped me. Mm. On, what? Yeah. And she took me to yeah. the bathroom and then you know, Bambi legs. She literally dropped oh. me down onto the toilet seat. So I broke my tailbone. So I didn't oh. have any stitches. Oh, but my I, God, I did have a broken tailbone, but I didn't know that until after the fact. I thought that that pain from getting up and sitting back down was a normal thing for sure. a long time.
3: Erica, you need a hug. This is a- <laughs> <laughs> too much. like you I feel you. like it's not even my my situation, but I feel like you just hearing you speak about it and like reliving it. It just seems traumatic because like I had a teacher that broke her tailbone and that was traumatic for her. But you being, you know, pregnant, it just. Ooh.
0: That's my virtual hug to you. <laughs> Thank you. And And I've heard that the C, like I've actually heard, and I don't know how true this is, that vaginal delivery is like quicker, easier, one, two, bada bing, after those hours are over, but it's like the C-section is more like a, a more in-depth surgery so that you're having to really get prepped and, and going through muscle and sedation and all of this and like you can't even really pick your baby up is that true
4: uh, Oh uh yeah so vaginal delivery is is healthier because you can recover quicker but C-section is major surgery we cut your we cut you open we go through your muscles we go through your entire abdomen to get to your uterus so <sighs> it's big big big
0: Indeed it's, it's tiny surgery. How, like you are
1: a tiny woman. <laughs>
0: like,
1: do you do you even remember while it was? Oh going? yes. Oh yeah, I remember. I, I remember all of it. Um, oh, I remember all of it. I remember now. Dr. Jones is talking about. I think I may have been in labor a lot longer than the nineteen hours that I remember, because I was starting to feel some kind of some contractions, but I just thought it was Braxton Hicks. And how the hell do I know? I don't. I've never had a baby before, but, um, you know, I went to the hospital and, um, you know, like I said before, they wanted to immediately put me on Pitocin and um, give me an epidural because they were like, oh, that's going to speed your, you know, speed your delivery up. I said, well, wait a minute, let's just see what what my body can do. Like, I, you know, didn't have a midwife, um, again, because this was COVID and, what have you and they weren't allowing so many people in the hospital um but i wanted to really you know do it as natural as i could my birth and um, i had my birthing plan and my you know my husband he knew about it he knew what my wishes were um so i toughed. i mean i breathed through it and it wasn't for me and i'll, I'll try to explain it to you fallon and kristen in a way And I I explained it to my sister because she was like, what do contractions feel like? I'm like, for me, it felt like your regular menstrual cramps, but more intense and in waves. And the intensity of the cramps just gets bigger and bigger and the waves get shorter and shorter and shorter. And um, once it got to a point where I was no longer able to really breathe through the waves because they were coming too close, that's when I was like, okay, it's time for me to have an epidural. The epidural, um, for me, it was like a, you know, it did hurt, but it went very, um, once I once they did that, I didn't feel anything from my waist down. They had to break my water. Um, and then they started pumping me Pitocin to try to get me more dilated because my son was 100% effaced, but I just wasn't, my cervix wasn't wasn't dilating enough um, and fast enough. And then um, as I mentioned before, um, in the previous episode, um, his heart rate started going down and so yeah. did mine. So mm-hmm. then it wasn't an emergency C-section, but they did do a C-section. And I remember, um, you know, I remember everything about it. Them rolling me into the room. Um, Thomas putting on his scrubs. He's scared. Um, you know, I'm also concerned because um, he's having to, you know, constantly tell me to wake up, and I'm kind of in and out of it. But I'm mm. just, I just feel really tired. Wow. Like, not that anything's wrong with me, but I'm like, I just need to take a nap. I'm tired. Mm. And so they they roll me into the room, and, um, you know, they. They give me the ana- um not the anesthesia, but they give me something, and I just remember I, um, you know, threw up all over myself. And while I'm laying there, um, they go in, and it's very, it was very quick. Um, next thing I know, I'm starting to go to sleep again, and my husband's like, Dion, wake up, wake up, he's here, he's here. Oh wow. And, and I don't hear my my son's crying. But they're like, oh, the nurse's like, oh my God, he's beautiful. I'm like, well, wait a minute, um, and it, he's fine, but he's just like looking around at them, like, who are you people? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you see the pictures because my Look at her, looking at looking he's he looking like, oh. giving the side eye because he's my son, so giving the side eye. Um, but uh, you know, the muscles and everything that uh, John, uh, that Doctor Jones was talking about. Um, unfortunately, I have pictures of that. And cause you know, my husband was taking, was documenting everything for legal purposes. Um, so it was very intense for me to look at that, but it's amazing seeing my son come out that way. And for me, um, I have had um, hernia surgeries in the past. So mm-hmm. for the the actual um, C-section incision, it wasn't, um, As painful, I will tell you that I did have to sleep in my son's kind of rocking chair for like two days because I couldn't step up into my bed Mm -hmm. and lay comfortably in my bed because that hurt. But after a few days, I was able to finally get in my bed and go to sleep. Um, The the first few nights that I was at home after leaving the hospital was pretty hard. Um, But I think because I'd already had surgery um in that area mm-hmm. that it wasn't as difficult or as painful for me um what i do recommend for women that do have c sections they do give you um not it's not like a girdle but it's a bind yeah i highly recommend wearing it um immediately after you have your c section cuz um i feel like that has that helped my stomach slim down and it also helped to to you know um i don't know establish my re my core or or what whatever you whatever the medical term is but it really did help with um, um i think inflammation with um making sure that the the incision was properly healing um and all of that they you know it, for me it the the c section wasn't in recovery from it wasn't as bad for me, and I can just say that I, I feel like I was recovered. I recovered easier from the, from the C-section than I did from my hernia surgery that I had years uh, ago. Okay. See, that wasn't so bad.
0: <laughs> Christy, you okay? But that's like, me. <laughs> are the people okay? I, I'm okay,
3: but, you know, um, Dion I got to give you a virtual hug, too, because, I mean, for women that have not had kids, I'm happy that they're able to listen
0: your experiences because
4: oh this is a lot it is but this it's
0: is a whole it's lot i think yes. it's, uh, no it's, it's very
4: necessary yeah with c-sections too um you got to remember you're pulling a baby out of the abdomen um mm-hmm. when the baby passes through the vagina um uh, the the chest and the lungs get squeezed so all that fluid gets squeezed out of the baby's lungs sometimes when you do a c-section that doesn't happen so um, it can be Longer for the baby to recover and start to cry because you got to pull out the lungs. Um, so that's another reason why we prefer you to have a vaginal delivery. Um, and then C-section itself is a big, big major surgery. You had to get recovery, but it's still a danger period because mm-hmm. any mm-hmm. big surgery, you're at risk of having a blood clot, yep. um, hemorrhage, and infection. So it's still a big, big, big uh, yeah major surgery.
1: And let me do, let me do also touch on that that I did. Um, mm. As I mentioned before, I developed preeclampsia during the delivery. I had never had a history of high blood pressure ever um before I you know got pregnant um I didn't have any high blood pressure problems while I was pregnant. I had a healthy pregnancy but developed preeclampsia during the delivery and so I had to be on blood pressure medicine after um I gave birth and um I also was, because of all of the fluid, saline, you know, pitocin, um, because I had a C-section, I was very, um, I, I was very bloated and that was water weight and it came off, but um, I, I felt just, that was the part for me that was the most concerning was that I had never had like swollen Swollen ankles. I mean, you know, you've that when you're pregnant, but not after pregnancy. I wasn't expecting yeah. that. That was something that um, really caught me for a loop, and just the the amount of time that um, the swelling, how long it took for that to come down. Mm, now that's a good segue because, um, like you, you said you were
0: forty, turned forty-one when John David was born. Mm-hmm. Richard, can you kind of talk about what women in our age group can kind of do to maybe even prepare for that or even just talk about maybe why that happened because I think that I've heard that that's one of those things that you kind of have to worry about when you have those pregnancies over like what is it 35 33 is there anything that we could be kind of doing now to to combat that or is that just like a rare thing that can happen when you're having a baby later in life
4: yeah having a uh... A baby later in life uh, puts you at high risk for certain complications. Uh, the big, big two are diabetes in pregnancy and then hypertension or preeclampsia. And with preeclampsia, hypertension in pregnancy, the unique thing is your symptoms are different than somebody who's not pregnant or a man. You can get swelling, you can get a headache, and we worry about. On stroke or heart attack or seizure with this eclampsia, so pre eclampsia is the precursor to eclampsia, which is a big, big thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, and a lot of women who give birth at a later age often have chronic medical conditions that they started to deal with, with blood pressure or thyroid disease. Uh, so in preparation, you have to screen closer uh, while you're pregnant before you're getting pregnant. You need to get general health is up-to-date. Go see your doctor, check your cholesterol, check your blood pressure, check your electrolytes, and just make sure that your health is good before you um, decide to conceive, because pregnancy will either exacerbate what's already there, or unmask what can be already there, especially if, uh, after a And And preeclampsia, you could have a co-entire normal pregnancy, and after those six weeks, after you give birth, you're still in that danger zone of having blood pressure problems mm. or other complications. So, in, in your preconception counseling, you, you get through all of that before you even uh, attempt to get pregnant. Oh,
0: wow.
4: Yes, definitely.
0: Whew. Kristen, you <laughs> taking notes over there.
4: And oh, after you, um, you get birth, yeah. <laughs> you know, I had a patient like you, Dion, uh, who was fine, had hypertension while she was pregnant. And then after she gave her, she went back to her normal state. And we checked her again about three months later. Her blood pressure was still high. So she had blood pressure didn't even know it. And her pregnancy actually masked it. And I had to uh, send her to her primary care physician to get her blood pressure damaged. So pregnancy will just mask what's there. That you not had a baby till so it was so it was too late you already had communication. That's often big. After you give birth, you still should get screened, once you have to get past that sixty care to It's just what the pregnancy
0: probably is. Yeah, I'm at a ninety percent no felon for myself. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I don't I don't necessarily want people to get that way because, you know, we have like options and of course, you know, having a child is not it's not the um pinnacle of success as a woman like, you know, some people try to make you feel playing your face like you ain't nothing until you have a baby. So that that is not what we're trying to do. I think this is more so one of those times where we want to shine a light on people who are close to us, who are our friends, our homies, our girls, our listeners. So that we'll be able to understand a little bit more of what they went through, so that we can understand each other, you know, and like just being able to hear these stories, it's 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 kind of scaring me, but it's not necessarily making me be like, nah, I'm good, Shotty, I don't want to do that. So I'm okay. I think I think I'm still I'm at 85, uh, eighty-five fourteen, and that one percent is just like thinking about my husband. <laughs> So <laughs> wait, <laughs> hey, I caught that later, huh? Ooh, hi,
2: hi.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. No, I just had to say that because this is a serious topic and I know Kristen over a scared and I, I don't want you to be able to talk about your life. Don't be scared. <laughs> no, but I was already in the
3: high nose already. So this has nothing to do with the conversation per se, but what I did take from it is, you know, just different ways to be a part of the village for women that are above 35 or closer to our age that may be going through this, that may not have family around that, you know, I can be that person that can help a little bit and I won't have much to say like your mom and your aunties because I don't know. I'm just going to be there, you know, cleansing the bottles and things of that nature. So I think this is still a great topic for women that may um, have chose or maybe choosing to not
1: have children. You know, let me let me also say, um I you know, I had my sister that come that came to stay with us, but I also had a lot of wonderful um brothers and sister friends that reached out to me. Um after I showed them like, Hey my son's here, oh my goodness And they were like, What can we do? Can we send you food? Can we, you know, send you they would just randomly send me an Uber Eats card and you know, there there are so many other ways to, to be there for someone that just had, um, or a family that just had a child. Um, and let me just tell you that that meant the world to me too, even though I wasn't able to get back to everyone on a timely basis, or I never maybe even took them up on their offer of, you know, a free free meal or what have you. Just the fact that they offered or just the fact yeah. that they reached out and asked how we were doing and... You know specifically how I was doing and did I need anything? That means the world. Yeah, that's that's. I'm glad that that you had that because it it seemed
0: like it just could be lonely. And Erica, I'm sorry I wasn't there for the first one, but I know for that second one, <laughs> I was on phone. We talked probably every single day. I was in the trenches for that second one. So
2: <laughs> I needed well, that. <laughs> I'm telling you now on here, even though I've said it a million times, I'll say it a million more. Thank you for that because it was definitely.
0: Definitely appreciate it. Yeah, you just really never know what people are going through. Um, and even with that, the babies are here. Y'all got little people, literally real ass people walking around here now. How is it being black and being a mama in this, this era? Erica, you we just gonna say you're forty, you're in your, you're in your forties now. What is this black motherhood like? Like can y'all just give us
1: your your take on what it is to be a black mama right now well for me um being a black mother uh now of course with everything that happened during the pandemic with George Floyd with mm-hmm. um protests I mean everything that happened even before George Floyd um I'm always I have a, you know I have a son now
0: mm-hmm. um
1: I have I'm married to a beautiful black man that's Big and tall and you know amazing and I was always worried about him you know out you know maybe driving around or going to the grocery store and something happened but now I have a, a son that I also have to worry about mm-hmm. um because this child is like you said he's running around he already looks like he's three years old and he's not even two yet Yeah um, 'cause because he's so tall and um it's it's amazing it's 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 amazing to be his mother. I feel a um responsibility to love on him to show him that someone is listening to him that someone cares for him um show, i i show him every day i that um he's important that he matters that he's special those are the affirmations that I give to him every night that I've given to him every every night since I brought him home about how wonderful and beautiful and awesome he is um, and how much of a light he is in this world. I don't think our black men hear that enough. Mm. And I wanted my son to hear that um, from the moment I brought him moment he came into this world. I've, I've been telling him that. I want him to always know that he gets all the love, he gets all the kisses, he gets all the hugs. Um, as a black mother that is working, um, I have to be, I'm very um, grateful that I've been able to work for two different employers, because I've, that's another, another podcast, but, you know, I just, when I've became pregnant, I was in one position, and then I moved up to another position in another company and another position in another company. And all of that was just, you know, moving from associate GC to general counsel and now to another general counsel seat. Um, I, it's all for my son. And I want him to be able to see that his mom is moving and pivoting in in different different lanes and different areas All for him to give him a better life, um, to give him experiences that I didn't have at his age. Um, So I take being a Black mother um, is a huge responsibility, but it's an honor to me, Mm -hmm. especially to be a Black mother to this beautiful little boy.
0: You got me all emotional, Dion. (laughs) (laughs) No words. That was that was so beautiful. Well, I you know I waited for my baby. I know you, you know? did, and that's that's the sweetest thing I think when you when you wait and get it. That's why I'm not even tripping about this loving and living later in life because I know it's just gonna be as sweet. <laughs> Erica, how 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 are you? Um, I don't even know how you're gonna uh, come through because I feel like you're about to tear jerk me also. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm going to try not to, but it's, I mean, Dion hit the nail right on the head and Dion, I love that. I love your full mommy mantra for your babies because it's so necessary. Always been necessary, but I feel like you breaking chains, generational curses and everything by just doing that and speaking. So speaking the love into your babies and I do the same with my daughters and like, as a black mother navigating mommyhood and entrepreneurship and chefing it up. I, I just want to, I want to show up for my babies. Um, that's been my goal the entire time. That's why, you know, given that my village wasn't vast, that's why I had to walk away from my corporate position, um, that I was actually growing in. And I, I felt, torn at first like oh man but that's that's the whole reason why i'm doing it it's for them that's that's why i do everything that i'm doing that's why i'm cooking that's why i create my own schedule because i don't want to miss anything that was really my biggest fear i don't want to miss out on anything i didn't want anybody to tell me when they took their first anything um <laughs> but on top of it i want them to remember that you know your mom was there she saw it all she clapped i don't care if i'm the worst they can they can spin around in the room and say look and watch this and I'm about to tear up doing that like oh look at you you did that because i just remember you know <laughs> how far we came you know and how how much more you're going to grow and just being able to literally be there for the entire process and know that let them know that they can talk to me um i didn't have that um even through pregnancy i didn't i i never had a conversation with my mom on what pregnancy was even like um yeah. You know, but even outside of that, just what life is like, What were, where were you? I want my kids to know me as not just their mom, who is Erica, what my life was like, what do I do at work that I'm, you know, I don't want them to look at the way that, you know, kids look at teachers, like you live there, there's no way you do anything outside of there, but um, <laughs> I just want them to know that I, I have their back no matter what. And even in addition to that, I know they're, they're eight and six, I've already told them, hey, you know, um, when you when you grow up, if you ever feel like anything is too tough or too hard or if you just feel like you don't want to go, you don't have to, especially with the way mm-hmm. the economy is right now. I mean, i was out at 17. I don't want them thinking that there's just no way to return or, you know, this is all you got. Or I don't want them to go into full survival mode when they don't have to. I just want them to know that they will always have a safe space.
0: Amen. Amen and amen and amen to that. Oof. Y'all are so. I just love y'all. I'm glad that y'all are my friends in real life, and I and I really just trying to soak up all that wisdom. Now, Doctor Jones, we are gonna give you uh another opportunity, and if you start talking and your internets and your and your connections sound like you able to doing something you're supposed to do, we gonna snatch you back because we want to be able to hear everything that the good doctor is saying. You have listened to these two great mothers who you have become acquainted with via these last couple of episodes what message do you want to leave for black women who are on similar journeys Um, how can we protect ourselves how can we begin to prepare to even get to where they at how can we be getting our bodies ready our minds ready and just what, what warnings do you have for us as a doctor who is going to tell us the truth and not just look at us as a number or a quota to push in and push out of your own
4: well, I can tell you one thing. Um, every time I, I birth a black baby, um, I, I get mixed emotions. When I I fear for it because I'm like I, I see this this young black child is going to grow up in this world that we live in, and then I also feel a sense um, of happiness in relation to I was able to help safely bring another black child into the world. Uh, but what I recommend for all mothers. Even from the beginning of your pregnancy planning process, is to advocate for yourself and pay attention to what's going on around you. Again, the maternal death rate still so the highest in that even in the postpartum period. And I just want you all to really pay attention to your bodies. Don't take no for an answer. One. One. Um. And don't let yourself feel like uh, you're being too aggressive or you're asking too questions because that's what we do. I, I love that. A lot of my patients, a lot of them they have high So when I try to explain things to them, I feel like sometimes I'm talking a quickly so I it down. And I'm like, some of my patients who are more educated, I just love it because I think uh, I feel like the tune with their bodies you know, really good. Really getting to know all these things out here. But these stories that so you're telling me uh, and all these stories that I've had, I could tell you a million stories of uh, near misses, um, potential deaths that were avoided just by having uh, a black culturally competent physician or other healthcare provider who was there who paid attention to your pain, paid attention to your symptoms. So my, my big thing is to Advocate for yourself and for our black men um, to advocate to protect our black women. Now, I'm a unicorn, it's not that many black men in our specialty. Um, so I feel like the oldest is on me as a black, black queer man to protect our black women and see through the process of motherhood. And motherhood doesn't, for me, it doesn't fit with I had a baby you know, you still come to see us annually for the annually. That's my big message is advocate and Do not take no point in it Be aggressive as you need to be. Because at the end of the day, nobody cares about these black kids. But uh, mm-hmm. push you to the side. And it's true. I see it every day.
0: Wow. And
4: I'm going to get rid of this iPad I just brought. Because I don't like <laughs> you
0: yeah, you're gonna right you have to right back to Verizon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> On that DC internet connection. You no, know, the the main thing <laughs> that Not I. Think, much, yeah, well, well, next time y'all record together, y'all gonna have to get in the studio together. But no, <laughs> the biggest thing I was the advocate for yourself. And that's that's in everything because we've been talked about birth, we've talked about. Fibroids. Before we've talked about gynecological issues, we've talked about just mental health. Period. The biggest takeaway from everything that Dr. Jones said is to advocate for yourself. He also said another thing that I think is something that people shy away from, and I'm gonna go ahead and say that you're better than me. If you let this stigma of angry black woman in and thinking people gonna think you aggressive stop you from telling your doctor. That you think what they're doing is not the right thing for you like i never knew or i always was one of those people that thought that just because this is my doctor i got to do what they say i can't go to another person for a second opinion like i was really scared and i had some doctors that literally made me feel like shit. and it took me going through probably two two to three gynecologists before i found somebody who actually cared about me and made me feel comfortable and had I known that it was cool to get aggressive and be like, hey, you hurting me, like, hey, stop, or whatever, with the doctor, I would have stopped this whole, and I'm calling. And even when called me about some things, I'm like, they didn't yeah. do this, this, and this, and I'm no. like, seriously? No, so just you better than me if you don't if you don't get aggressive when it comes to advocating for your your women's health, your reproductive health, your body just period that and and yeah, that's that's what I took from that.
3: I think that was a really good you better than me moment. I know um I see a lot of times like on TikTok where women are saying when they're asking for different things, with their healthcare providers and they're like getting pushback. They're always like, Could you please notate my chart that I asked for this and you declined it, you know? And mm-hmm. I feel like advocating for yourself is one of the biggest things. If we don't have our voice, we really don't have anything else because before we can even tell someone else about the situation, we have to experience and we have to know that different things have happened to us. So even even if you can't say anything at that moment It's in your mind and once you leave, you write a review or you do whatever, you don't go back and you, you know, take it upon yourself to let the next woman know that she may or may not have this same experience that you just encountered. So I'm going to piggyback off of you and just say, yeah, you better than me if you don't advocate for yourself. If you can't do it in that moment, you need assistance from one of your homegirls or another doctor friend that you may have, it's still so important to say something and to speak up because, as uh, Doctor Jones mentioned, you know, Black women are losing their lives at a steady rate when it comes to giving birth and probably healthcare in general.
0: Mm-hmm. I would like to uh, see if our guests have any you better than me be moments that they want to drop before we
1: wrap this thing up. I have one. Um, for any of the new moms that are you know, those that choose to breastfeed, you're better than me if you're able to, you know, produce a lot of milk, because I wasn't. <laughs> and um, <laughs> just, you know, but one thing that held me through, cause I was so upset and I was so, I I really felt like a, um, I felt like a failure um, for not no. being able to produce enough. And you just, I know, it now in hindsight I'm almost two years um, away from it I can look back in hindsight and say no you weren't a failure because every drop helps and the milk that I was able to produce for my child I mean it's probably why he's in the 100 percentile for his growth right now I don't know what it would I mean if I had all the milk in the world. I don't know how, how tall he would be now, but I'm just saying that every for every every woman that um, is trying and attempting to breastfeed their newborn child or their infant and they're not producing enough, just know that you are producing enough and you are enough. And um, you know whatever you can do for your child on that front, um, it it will be it it will help. Every drop helps. i'm glad you cleaned that up because i was about to call you
0: better than me you from your you better than me statement statement (laughs) better than me if you let your friend think that for a second just because they weren't able to do something i'm telling you
1: postpartum plays with your mind
0: so i'll say
1: you the hormones and postpartum plays with your mind yes it it does it makes you feel
0: it it makes you feel as
1: a mom that you are inadequate
0: yes well, you better than me if you um not going to expect your friend to tell you that you are more than enough. And I am I ain't even going to let you finish it because you are. And you did what Thank you to do. Thank you.
2: Man, Dion, I felt like we over here just, uh, man, because I felt like a failure with the breastfeeding. I could not see mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, and then she, she was always sick. And I was like, just in, in terms of... um. In, in terms of every time she caught every cold, every flu. And I was like, what is going on? And then Ava comes out like this Amazon, thing, and she's been breastfed. And I was like, I just felt like I, I, I wronged my baby, but I had nothing to give her. And just you better than me if you're not truly being your own best friend and just mm-hmm. being as kind as you can be and as gentle with yourself as you can be during the entire process. That's, that's really all that I have because we forget. And like Dion said, like it's very difficult to even conceive that you are doing everything you can because the baby book said, you know, <laughs> yeah. I had an app girl. I had the apps and I was like, well, why is my baby not taking this? And the lactation specialist looking at you like you're a loser because you're not right being able to give them what you need. And then being, being a black mother, I'm almost afraid to tell you that because are you going to call the people on me?
0: what
2: is this? right you know just the whole stigma because i mean you know we we don't get a lot of a lot of um a lot of wiggle room in terms of growing They i don't know if they think we supposed to be indoctrinated knowing or what but just be kind to yourself
1: give yourself grace yes
0: i received it and i feel like i'm gonna go back and listen to this And it's probably going to be something that I'm going to listen to when I truly need it. And I will be certain to remember that. Because that, sheesh. I do want to give both of y'all some hugs now. Like, I have very virtual, humongous, and real life ones for you because people really, like, they make it seem like having a baby is just something you do. Oh, we'll hit a baby today, blah, blah, blah. Off to the next test. And it's a lot they go into these people out there losing their lives. It's black women losing their lives. It's black women who are literally dying. And it's not on the front page of the newspaper. So I appreciate y'all for coming in and just being so candid with us. We wasn't trying to scare nobody. We really just want to be a knowledge-filled community of people. Because, like I said, if you don't know, you could just be sitting around, and your best friend could be struggling. And I don't, I don't ever want us to be in a position where we can't be transparent with each other. So that that's you getting it real. You better than me with these guests that y'all have had with us these last two episodes. And Dr. Jones, you are a wealth of knowledge. Um, I I look forward to seeing where your career takes you. I'm looking forward to you to start you a little youtube channel or something where you're just giving this information away because you are literally a wealth of knowledge and most people aren't getting the real tea or real information from their doctors so to have you out here blessing your clients out here and really doing the work is is so important so thank you so much for taking your time and your bad internet service and joining us (laughs) (laughs) thank you this is why i do what i do we gotta take care of
4: our, our community because
0: yes. nobody else is gonna do it for us. Yes. So Kristen, I, I'm i not saying that we're trying to change your percentiles or anything like that, but I'm glad we had this conversation.
3: Yes, definitely. And again, thank you guys for joining us. You guys were able to uh, commit to recording with us for two episodes. I know everyone on this uh, on this live is very busy, so we definitely appreciate you coming back and speaking to the people. And I know they're going to appreciate it. I know they're probably going to have questions. I hope that uh, once we post and the episode goes live, you guys are available to chime in on our Instagram page just in case um, anyone has any questions, or if anyone just wants to give you another virtual hug
0: for all you've been through. For real. Well, oh, baby, that's it. That's all we got. Yes, to yeah. <laughs> tag you on the
4: Instagram post, because you're not on oh, Instagram yeah. that much.
0: For sure, we will definitely yeah. be um thank y'all for rocking and rolling with us again and just keep advocating for yourself and your black sisters and your women and your brown women and all of those things um i've enjoyed this this episode and yeah that's all i got this is a wrap for me thank you guys for joining and catch us on the next episode
3: of the you better than me podcast Bye. bye
4: better than me is a podcast on pyromedia network produced by pyromedia productions pyromedia network and pyromedia productions are subsidiaries of pyromedia enterprises for more information please visit www.pyromedianetwork.com thank you for listening
3: and we will see you on the next